If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make your podcast. Let me tell you why. First of all, it's free. You pay no fee whatsoever. It's absolutely, totally free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And most of all, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. Well, the most important thing is that you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Well, what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. What are you waiting for? Go ahead and subscribe and make your own podcast. It's free. Welcome to this new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maramber Homa, and I welcome you to listen to this podcast about narcissism in general, toxic relationships, and ways to deal with them and to save ourselves, but most importantly, seek self-evolution regardless of the abuse. I hope you enjoy and find this episode and the upcoming ones enjoyable and insightful in any way shape or form and i thank you very much for listening now let's get started welcome everyone to a new podcast episode of the podcast self-evolution regardless all right so let's dive in straight in today because we have an exclusive very um thought-provoking episode that i'd like to uh, talk about and that is the personal bill of rights right number 18 i have a right to feel scared and say i am afraid i have a right to feel scared and say i am afraid so let's dive right in and uh let's talk about this topic and this uh, right in further details so when it comes to feeling scared a lot of the times we hide our feelings of like uh, fear and we don't say that we're scared because mostly in abusive relationships it's hard to say we're scared it's already hard enough to express our emotions and to, to just be ourselves among the toxic people let alone feel scared and say we're scared so that's how like bad it is and especially in terms of like being raised in um, this this environment where if you are scared then you're looked at as this person who's just cowardly who doesn't know much about life who's just like a rabbit or like an ostrich hiding their face or burying uh, their face in the ground whenever there's dangerous uh, whenever there's danger around it sucks to say that we are not allowed to feel scared when we when we probably face an, a scary experience but then we don't say it or let me just say it in a different like type of uh, context what about toxic relationships so in toxic relationships you know in abusive narcissistic relationships with a with an abusive partner 
it's not much different either. And we are entrapped because of the abuser. And we think that there's no hope for us out there in the world. We're just terrified of, of leaving and just terrified of making a choice and taking a decision and quitting once and for all. In fact, in this regard, um, I went and looked up on the internet to find some interesting sources that could help me, you know, uh, talk about this topic a little bit deeper. And I found an article by joinonelove.org, and the article is entitled, uh, well, actually, there are 11, but I uh, decreased the number significantly because I only, I only needed a few, you know, not like... Not all of them, but I was thinking about like reasons why people in, re in abusive relationships can't just leave. And I talked about this before in the episode, uh, to stay or to leave, right? But uh, I, I actually have seven, and I'd like to talk about them. So reason number one, why people just can't up and leave is that society normalizes unhealthy behavior, so people may not understand that their relationship is abusive. When we look at this uh, relationship from the society's perspective, it's, you know, abuse seems to be normalized. It's not that they don't really uh, consider, like, abuse is something, but usually people don't understand society does not understand what abuse is, you know. A lot of the times when you try to talk to your friends, for example, or uh, acquaintances, you do, you don't, like, you guys are not on the same path, you know, like you're talking about something and then you feel like you're an alien, basically, in front of them because they are not uh, going with the flow, you know, with you. They're not comprehending the topic you're trying to mention. So when you're talking about uh, an abusive relationship, it seems pretty normal that, um, for example, a partner may, uh, you know, I don't know, just let me think of an example. A partner may want to uh, ask you for gifts a little too often because you are financially stable, so that's fine, you know, for, uh, you know, friends and acquaintances who don't really know what's going on in the middle of the relationship. Or they ask too much sex and that seems to be okay, or you are always asked for constant and continuous attention. I remember with my, um, one of my exes, actually, this this one is, uh, I'm not gonna curse, <laughs> but he is an asshole, okay, let me just say it, um, but he always, just always wanted constant attention and constant, like, um, talk over the stupidest things, even if there is none to talk about, you know, there's like, he just always wants me to be there with him and just talk about anything even if there is nothing to talk about even if it's just us trying to take a break from each other not like distancing from each other but like just five minutes to take some breaths in 
<laughs> so it's like that crazy, you know. And it just really exhausted me to the point where I told him, like, can you stop doing this? You know, if we are just having five minutes of silence without ever having to mention anything, just let it be, you know, just five minutes of silence is all I'm asking you for. But, you know, he, he would, uh, at the beginning, he would, uh, in the beginning, he would, like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, I do. I shouldn't have done that, you know, and uh, I really love you and I want to talk and everything. But later, it's nothing different. It's the same. It's just continuous. And I'm there like, what? <laughs> I'm just literally going crazy in my mind and I just am confused because to my mind, I'm, I'm saying like, didn't I just told him this? Didn't I just remind him like tell him a few times already that there should be some sort of a you know silence to, to sometimes even like regain some sort of mental energy to even bring up a topic and talk about it you know what i'm saying but no it just seemed to be the same and and yeah when when I was trying to talk to my friends and acquaintances about it, they didn't understand. It was, like, uh, exhausting and emotionally consuming. They just said, oh, yeah, it's okay. You should you should actually give him attention and try to talk about topics together and never stop the conversation. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Because <laughs> that drove me insane. So regardless, um, so that's basically what it is. You know, a lot of it's it's extremely hard. It's extremely different to have everyone around you to support you and not even just support you like if you can if they can just understand the situation and just see it from your perspective that would actually uh lift a lot of the overwhelm off your your shoulders yeah i mean but it, but but a lot of the times it's difficult because not so many people understand the situation they might have never experienced it so it's gonna be hard because society normalizes unhealthy behavior and just think of it as something that uh, you know everyone should have in their relationship if it's not there then it's not a relationship but like damn that's a huge gaslighting wow okay so and of course there is no reason to seek help then because it's normal now Reason number two, emotional abuse destroys your self-esteem, making it feel impossible to start fresh. It destroys self-esteem to the point where you, as a victim, feel like you're no longer worthy of anything. You're you're worthless, basically. You're helpless, worthless, helpless piece of shit. Like, without their existence, without their help, you're going to be nothing. You're going to be like this bug that's going to be easily uh, crushed and squashed, but when, when whenever whenever uh, somebody is passing by, you know. So it de is devastating for the self-esteem. And then you think of yourself as you're not worthy. And you think of yourself as, you, you know, ugly, uh, fat, um, not caring, impassionate person. You know, this all these degrading uh, self-esteem assumptions, but it's not that you are destroying your own self-esteem, it's because of the, the exhaustion that uh, emotional abuse has on you. Which makes it feel 
impossible to just start fresh in a new relationship you find yourself stuck because well you are at a low point and you're not indulging in self-growth and self-care and self-love and you're not growing from the emotional abuse that you've had so a lot of the times when people break up from emotionally abusive relationships uh, when they don't you know uh, take care of themselves and they're not careful around people who are studying them for you know personal interest or people and people who actually are genuinely interested in them well they're just starting at a low point and because of the low amount of self-esteem they've had because of the emotional abuse they've been through they cannot start fresh easily so it's really a difficult uh, thing for someone to start fresh especially going getting out of a an emotionally abusive relationship and we get scared you know we're extremely scared because if we are in the world um, of, of emotional abuse we don't think of ourselves as people who are uh, safe and protected we're scared around the, the abusive partner but also scared if we actually go out to the world and maybe even express ourselves but we tend to suppress our feelings of, faith, of fear and we tend to just keep it to ourselves because if we speak up we are in trouble which is not true because generally speaking that's what the abuser actually uh, has us uh, how do I say automatically think about so I'm gonna cut that part so uh, so basically I don't know if this is right so hello okay so um, So yeah, it becomes an extremely difficult challenge for people to start fresh after getting out of emotional abuse, emotionally abusive relationships. It's hard for those in abusive relationships to leave their partners after they've been continuously been made to feel worthless and like there is no better option for themselves. And especially, you know, it's hard because it it takes it, it takes a toll. You know, it takes a toll on the victim's mind and mindset and the way of thought that they influence them in a way that uh, they think that oh my god the world is terrifying I'm not leaving I'm just I'd rather stay then you know in this bit of hell reason number three the cycle of abuse after every abusive incident comes with a makeup honeymoon phase so yeah it's the cycle of abuse like one time they're mean and crazy and and cursing you and hitting you and well, to the point of hitting you but gaslighting you manipulation manipulating you deceiving you and all that and another minute they're like oh I'm so sorry I love you you're, you're awesome you're an amazing human being I shouldn't have done that and I, I promise you'll never do that again but then you like leave it a while like a couple of days or even weeks and then they go back to the same old thing and nothing changes and again it's the same cycle again a few times good another few times other few times bad and then you're 
confused and don't know what's going on because you don't know if this person is actually like this or if they're just doing this for you know the the fun that they create for themselves you're just confused like if this person actually if if love is even like this you know after an abusive incident happens the abuser does something nice or promises they won't do it again which makes their partner minimize the original abusive behavior so whenever they apologize or try to make up for it you know they just uh and they come out of the blue and they say they will be nice and they promise you this and that and and they will sound really nice and all of that but what does what it does to the victim is basically minimize the abusive behavior so that now it's basically successful now the victim is entrapped and they will not consider the abusive behavior anymore they will basically minimize it to the point where oh my god yeah we can actually go back to this love bombing phase where uh, they've been crazily in love with me and generous uh, to me and they give me a lot of attention and love and etc. Which is not true because in an abusive uh, relationship, in an abusive cycle, you get that up and down sort of like a roller coaster ride and it's never really uh, stable. You're most likely to throw up every five minutes if you took that ride. Reason number four, according to these reasons, and I like highlighted it because it's one of the most important uh, reasons. It is dangerous to leave, like very dangerous, and this is where the fear uh, strikes. This is where it gets terrifying. So then the point, <clears throat> um, so then uh, it becomes a deeply terrifying idea to leave because, because it is dangerous essentially to leave in the first place and like very dangerous. Leaving in particular, so leaving can be a very dangerous idea if executed by the victim to try to put an end to the relationship. <clears throat> Actually, leaving can be life-threatening. The most dangerous time in a abusive relationship is post-breakup. So after the breakup eventually happens, it's when the real nightmare uh, reveals itself sort of especially in when 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 the abuser when the abuser is actually like on the hunt for the victim like um it'll be something like they will threaten their life they will threaten to expose their uh <clears throat> for example sexual partners or their pictures or their private you know the things that make the victim triggered basically to the point where they'll even tell like the police about them and make them believe that the victim is the abuser and actually the abuser is when actually the victim was only trying to get away and it's the abuser's fault but it's never really their fault it's always the victim's responsibility and fault for everything and the abuser will not take accountability for whatever reason so, 
then it just becomes terrifying. The idea of leaving for the victim becomes extremely terrifying and many will get stuck and they will decide to stay because it's made dangerous. The idea that is put inside the victim's head is that leaving is extremely lethal and well, because the abuser basically made them believe in that false lie, you know, and they fall, they fall victim to that, you know, they're, you know, they're, they surrender because they have no hope, you know, it, they made it sound so legit to stay that actually leaving was something terrifying. And then, of course, they're made to shut up and they're made to not say anything. They're made to suppress everything. They're made to, to hide away, conceal their feelings of fear and terror of what potentially can happen if someone actually decides to leave. Which advocates totally and very strongly the right to be scared and to say so. Like the right to even just say that we're scared, you know, just say it out loud. Admit it, you know, don't freaking lie and make up things and try to distract yourself, which I'm going to tackle in a bit here, but i got to finish with these real quick. Um, and reason number five, which is another one I highlighted, is escaping the abusive cycle is difficult. On average, it takes ten, seven times for a victim of an abusive relationship to attempt to leave the person before actually leaving, and this happened to me as well, when I was in an abusive relationship with this asshole, like, of course, he's one of my exes, so a lot of, a lot of shit, but this one in particular, like, I had, in my mind, seven freaking, like, seven times, was it? I remember there were plenty of times that I just, I wanted to leave, like, I wanted to get out, I wanted to, to put an end to this relationship, but every time... I just seem to be never heard, you know, I, I seem to be minimized and put into this, like, dungeon-like level, you know, like, I'm not even understood anymore, I'm not listened, I'm not heard, it's all my fault, it's all my um, bad thinking of trying to leave the relationship, I'm basically ruining the relationship for this asshole if I actually leave, and him wanting me to stay is the best thing ever, and it's for my best interest and for my own protection and I, all that bullshit, you know. And I obviously fell for it a lot, a lot of times, I'm not gonna lie. But then I just realized this is not gonna f be fixed anytime soon. I've done more than I could have actually do. I've given it so much effort and so much like mental thought and mental... Uh, dedication and, and, and energy and time and and it's all just gone to waste and I can't take it anymore so I just finally had the courage to escape and the, the last time the final time that I actually attempted the escape was of course he told me like it was threatening you know he was threatening me uh, I will haunt you forever I'll keep following you I'll keep making accounts if you keep blocking me and and all that kind of bullshit, and he kept like, you know the things he, he, he would do is that he would remain silent for a period of like, let's say four, five, or even six months, and then he will come back with like a, 
another number out of nowhere and he just tells me like how are you how are you doing and that's hoovering and i know i i am beginning to know everything now and I, like i can read his bullshit from a mile away right now there's no chance he's gonna come back with me like hey ain't nobody got time for that so and 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 the, the thing is he made it hard for me to actually escape because he would always remind me of the past and why are you, why am I leaving and it's so bad that I left and he's gonna be alone and all that bullshit until I actually had the courage to talk to my best friend about this. Everything that happened I told him as raw as it gets and I was emotional and I, and I cried a lot of times but I also tried to maintain like peace and calm within myself and try to tell him how things were as they were, as they went, you know, as raw as, as possible. And he stood with me and he, I think I already mentioned this uh, in the previous episode of my uh, being in a relationship with a narcissist. So yeah, and he actually like, he stood there as like a soldier to make him stop, you know, bullshitting us with his threats. Eventually, I haven't heard of him as of yet, but I hope I'll never hear of him ever again because I am really grateful for the time that I have now for everything. So, and I'm obviously much stronger and much hopefully wiser with them with the amount of pain that I've had in my life. Okay, number six, the reason why number six is they feel personally responsible. The victim actually feels personally responsible for their partner, for their behavior. And this can also relate to feeling scared a bit because if they can say that it's not my fault, it's the abuser's uh, scheme to always try to make me feel inferior and stupid and ignorant and all that, it just gets terrifying for the victim to even say anything because... uh, if it if it doesn't reach the abuser like straight away they will get it from like a third party you know like people get involved here and there and you know shit gets distributed and so the idea that they feel personally responsible for the abuser's behavior is something terrifying for the victim and they again they tend to t- to suppress their fear out of out of uh, out of false hope and false beliefs and false uh, you know uh, f- fake kind of uh, belief and hope that they will not do anything if they don't say anything. So if they can say anything, if they can expose the the abuser to any extent they're dead basically so their fear and uh, of, of doing anything that actually allows them to be free is terrifying in itself and finally reason number seven is fear of how others will react and the fear of how, uh, how of how the fear of how others will react when this person actually decides to leave also prevents them from actually leaving because the idea is okay so i'm leaving this relationship everyone knows that this relationship is perfect you know on the on the surface level 
everyone is familiar with the idea that this relationship is wow, it's perfect, it's so safe. People would love to have a relationship like this one and everything. But you know, when once the doors are closed, it's another, it's another story, okay? But if they, if the victim decides for themselves, they can actually leave and take the decision to actually leave and attempt quitting then they're, they're striked by the fear of what others have to think. And a lot of the times that actually keeps them stuck and it keeps them stay in these types of relationships for a longer time, which allows the abuser more time to manipulate and uh, take advantage of the victim for the best interest. And fear here plays a huge role in not doing anything and just be cowardly and uh, to just delude oneself that okay if I don't do anything I'm basically safe but that's not how things go and uh, so this was the article of the site joinonelove.org now what if we talked about fear in a different kind of context, or in general. So this article is really interesting, caught my eye. It's entitled, Fear and Guilt Will Keep You in an Abusive Relationship If You Let Them. Okay, if you allow fear and guilt to trap you in an abusive relationship, you will stay there if you let them, okay, if you give them the permission to haunt you. And the source is theirinvisiblescar.com, and I freaking fell in love with the post, okay? But generally, I like the website, I like the article as a whole, but what I'd like to focus on is these bullet points they mention in the, in the website, and I'd like to, you know, uh, elaborate a little bit more on these kinds of fears. So, fear, they mentioned kinds of different kinds of, of situations where we might be afraid fear of getting in trouble like in, a, in an abusive household or in an abusive relationship we the victims tend to be afraid of sounding like troublemakers so we're afraid of getting in trouble we do something for example that we know the abuser will disagree with say anything as stupid as selling something and the narcissist you know the narcissist is absolutely against that and so when we do these things we're scared and terrified and paranoid of getting in trouble because uh, we disobeyed the narcissist basically we did as we thought was something that would never harm them in any way it's just something that we do for ourselves but then we're just so terrified of getting in trouble that's another that's one type of fear. Another type is fear of the unknown. Usually, um, growing up in, a, in an abusive, toxic, exhausting household will, will make us be conscious, overly conscious and um, afraid of the, the unknown, the, the, the unfamiliar, basically. Oftentimes when this idea gets implanted in our brains. Growing up and becoming an adult uh, child of 
parents who are just like that, you know, um, gets the, it, it, it just becomes automatic, you know, it becomes automatic that we are almost always afraid of the unknown, unknown in everything, even in like potential partners or a house to rent or somewhere to move if somewhere to move if we're gonna for example uh, move out of the house and we're gonna you know rent a new property or you know get some suitcases for our clothes we don't know if that's used or not we're constantly stressed out and so we're constantly afraid of the unknown uh, the unknown an apartment a house, school, the workplace, uh, the apartment, the friends, the potential uh, romantic partner. I mean, we're always just afraid of the unknown. We're never really trained. We've never been trained to face that unknown, you know, and just try to make it level with us. Fear of the unknown is another type of fear that is traumatizing really. Uh, another type of fear is fear of retribution and punishment and this especially um, in abusive romantic relationships and abusive family uh, relationships. The fear of punishment and retribution also is related to the first type of fear uh, fear of getting in trouble but this one is actually a lot worse because not only are we afraid of being in trouble but we're actually afraid of being punished if we are ever like uh, found out about what our plan is so we're always afraid of being punished even though that thing can be anything like buying a new car or moving out or buying suitcases and hiding stuff and then if stuff gets exposed then we're just afraid of being punished because simply we did something that disobeys the authority of the narcissist that's another type of fear fear of being alone and usually for extroverts it's difficult to be Sometimes it's difficult to be alone and left alone and consider things by themselves. And so they're constantly and most of the time afraid to be alone because they don't have anyone to talk to and they feel like they're, they're going crazy if they're going to be alone. Another type of fear is fear of being a disappointment. Especially in terms of trying to satisfy the narcissist who's, by the way, who's uh, wishes and desires and expectations are never met, are never met, sorry, are never met, and they're never really, you're never good enough, basically, you're just always going to be there, uh, want, they're always going to want more, they're always going to expect more, and your efforts are not really appreciated as much. The fear of people thinking badly of you, especially when you quit a bad relationship, or if you do something different than all the other Family members, yeah, that's another fear. Fear of not fitting in. And this gets interesting, especially in the context of school and studying, even workplaces, because there are um, like-minded people and with similar ages, but or, or let's say close ages, 
close age range or actually same age range but you're just afraid of not fitting in and it keeps holding you back from expressing yourself and being yourself and uh, letting people know the potential you. Another fear is fear of losing friends and this terrifies people who are usually codependent and they're not. They're basically self-love deficient and like Ro Ross Rosenberg uh, coined it. And the fear of losing friends makes people vulnerable to uh, loneliness and being alone. And so they're afraid of losing friends because probably they've had problems and, and arguments that made them lose friends despite of their will. So fear of losing friends remains there. And it's a bad one. And the last one is fear of not being believed. And this is shocking and t terribly, terribly mentally exhausting, especially for someone who's trying to, to talk about what happened in the narcissistic uh, relationship with the narcissist. And all they do is just notice that these people are not believing them. They're not, they're not giving them credit. It's like they're telling a story, a fairy tale, not in reality, you know, because this also goes back to the fact that society normalizes abusive behavior. And so when a lot of people do not comprehend where you're, com where you're coming from, especially when you're trying to uh, expose sort of the abuser for what they've done to you. And you've been quiet this whole time. Like imagine being quiet for like 20 years and then coming out of this relationship. And just basically, you're not bashing this this person, but you're just you're just stating the facts. You know, you're stating what happened, and and you went crazy because of it. You just went, you, you know, like uh, the the situation in itself is extremely stressful. You know, that it overwhelmed you, and it and it just made you like, I want to talk to someone about this because I can't shut up about this anymore. So when you go ahead and talk to people, especially people who are not experienced or experts at least in this field in this kind of field like mental abuse uh, mental and uh, emotional abuse then because maybe the fact that society normalizes unhealthy behavior you find yourself unbelieved and so what this creates is fear of not being believed especially to people who are not in the field you know they're not really uh, following the trend, sort of. So, um, this comes to a point where we have to put a limit to this. We have to acknowledge that we have the right to be scared and say that we are scared because we need to alleviate that fear out of our backs. To go back into peace and to, and to calmness and to the state of balance instead of stress and panic and anxiety and being all over the place here, there, yeah, up, down, left, right, and everywhere. Okay, so I have a few tips from another article and it is businessinsider.com and the, ar the article is entitled How to Take Care for Yourself if You're Feeling Scared or Sad. So number one, drink water. Water. H2O is one of the most vital natural sources of nutrition and 
vitality that and mineral comp composition of things together put together that allow you to relieve uh, you know release stress and panic and uh, it'll make you more relaxed okay you need to meet your basic physical needs drink water number two get a good night's sleep okay so it might be hard to get some sort of a sleep in the middle of the crisis in the middle of being scared but it's okay to calm one down and to get a good night sleep you need your body to your body needs rest basically and so you need to give it that rest in a good night's sleep so don't waste your nights in sleepless nights okay don't don't spend those they're bad they're tiring they're exhausting I've been there don't deprive yourself of sleep because sleep has been like studies have been proving that sleep is extremely important for the body and for the mental health and for health in general so don't ignore sleeping okay number three eat wholesome meals yeah and essentially try to diversify the sources of nutrition that you give to your body um, don't forget about carbs and protein and uh, you know kinds of like uh, sugary stuff sometimes but also it's important to get fruits and vegetables and to have a little bit of salads here and there and just diversify the nutrients that you get so eat wholesome meals number four go for a walk and I have experienced a lot uh, that actually going for walks actually helps a lot with removing those thoughts from your head. It's like you're exercising your body when you're walking. You're moving, you're activating the, the blood circulation, but you're also getting rid of those thoughts in your mind that, you're, that are stagnant, you know, they're moving and they're basically trying to uh, not get rid of them essentially but you're trying to decrease their effect on your thinking pattern and thinking uh, energy so go for walks they actually help but not right now because now it's difficult and it's quarantine time and everyone's on lockdown but hopefully after this pandemic is over we can go for a walk everywhere and just try to forget about the fear and try to forget about stress and how exhausting they can be. Number five, yeah, uh, turn off the news feeds because they they always just trigger you and they will always put you on this state of being uh, alert. And that's damaging for the long term, you know, for your brain cells and for your body and you're just, for your sleep also, so just turn them off, you know, less stress for better sleep and better health. Number six, take stock of your mood and potentially try to balance out your mood. Okay, don't go over the don't go all over the place with your mood. Number seven, tell someone how you're feeling. Yeah, this is one of the most important things you can actually do. 
is to tell someone how you're feeling and especially tell someone that you're afraid and 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 that you are uh, scared of things that might happen and allow them to listen to you. They don't have to, to give you the immediate solution right away, but just listen to you. You know, listening is more important than jumping into the conclusion and giving you solutions. So even just by listening to you, that's already good enough, okay? Especially people who are unbiased and people who are not going to judge you or blame you if you ever try and speak up about what happened to you and uh, try to state the facts with, with what happened with the narcissist. So basically this is extremely important. Tell someone who, how you're feeling and UK National Health Service states stay where you are and simply feel the panic without trying to distract yourself. Okay, don't distract yourself with news feeds, with YouTube, with your phone, whatever. Do not, okay? Place the palm of your hand on your stomach and breathe slowly and deeply. Inhale through the nose, exhale through the mouth and just deeply like that and a few times do this a few times the goal is to get the mind used to coping with panic instead of trying to get over it as soon as possible you know but just coping with it and of course get the mind used to coping with the panic which makes the fear of fear go away which makes fear basically you know, get taken away instead of, gradually, of course, instead of uh, get it over with quickly, you know. Practice mindfulness, tip number eight. Mindfulness actually helps us to be in the present moment, to focus on what we have right now. And the simplest strategy of mindfulness, in, in other words, meditation, and I've tried this personally, and I can say, wonderful. The experience is absolutely wonderful. You can, like, uh, do things with your hand that keep you, like, keep your body, remind your mind that you're you're in the present moment right now, you're holding your hands together, for example, like this. Or if you can just focus on your breath. You know, whenever your thoughts are coming and going and, and just are fast-paced, then you can go back to your breath and concentrate on your breath. And there your brain will start to calm down a little bit more. So that's how meditation works and it, it's extremely helpful. And avoid drugs and alcohol, obviously, number nine. You know, I don't want to get indulged into something that's that's gonna add insult to the injury, all right? And these are the most important tips I have to give you. Get help if you ever really need uh, some sort of like an assistance as soon as possible get help okay the local uh, numbers of like for example suicide line or like uh, police line whatever just get help okay if you find yourself in danger and talk to someone who should be unbiased which is actually the same as tip number uh, seven Yeah, exactly the same as tip number seven. And also seek mental health professionals. 
slash therapy because they will be the people who are uh, who know the most in this field and who will treat you and give you good therapy and therapy that actually works with you and works with your needs so work on that and don't be afraid to tell anybody who's gonna support you and validate your reality especially if you don't really you want to seek therapy because sometimes therapy can be extremely expensive but regardless um we all have the right to be scared and to say so and where am i yes we all have the right to be scared and say that we are scared and to let others who will of course validate and appreciate and uh, accept us for who we are just let them know what's going on and in a way that's helping us empty out the, the cup a little more, you know, just uh, get the pain out. And of course, that person shouldn't be influenced in any way, shape or form. They shouldn't react in an emotional way, like they shouldn't go angry and break stuff just because you told them that this narcissist has been abusive towards you and did a lot of wrong things towards you. Um, they should be rational and they should give you some guidelines and things to do at least to relieve you of this fear and stress and to get you going with your days and to go through these types of crises a little by a little and as healthy as possible. In the in the healthy in the healthiest ways possible, okay. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. And yeah, that's it. So folks, that's a wrap for this episode. And as you can guess, this is my goodbye speech. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I hope you found this episode enlightening to some degree. You can always like, comment, favorite, share, and even subscribe to this podcast here on Anchor FM or any other platform where you'll find my podcast available, like Podbean, Stitcher, Spreaker, Acast, Radio Public, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and recently I've added my podcast in TuneIn as well as Red Circle. That's where you'll find my podcast also available. I'd also appreciate your support for a very small monthly fee. If you have any topic suggestions, questions, some feedback you'd like to share, don't hesitate to send me a brief voice message and I'll take care of that. So to conclude, this was Self-Evolution Regardless. I'm your host, Maram, and I will see you in the next episode.